Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6? I was asked to do a special missions message this morning, and I, would, I figured I would have to detour out of the book of Romans, but as God would have it, the passage we've come to this morning is as much a missions message as any passage I can think of. And so I offer you this subtitle to Romans 6, 12 to 14, The Making of a Missionary. Or how to be a difference maker on your mission field. Whether that's your high school or your college campus or your workplace or your home. Or if God should so call you across the seas. Because you see, in, in one sense, every one of us is a missionary. We have been sent out to further the kingdom of God. And we will never fulfill that mission unless we apply these verses. Because in the sixth chapter of the book of Romans, Paul gives us the formula for victorious Christian living. He gives us the formula for walking in newness of life. And what is that formula? First of all, we need to know, verses 3 to 10, that we have died to sin and are alive to God. Secondly, we need to consider, verse 11, that we have died to sin and are alive to God. And then thirdly, we need to present, verses 12 to 14, Present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead. And so verses 12 to 14 is the practical part. And the very first word in verse 12 tells us that it's connected to what goes before. Verse 12 says, Therefore, since you have died to sin, since your old man has been crucified with Christ, since you are no longer a slave of sin, since sin no longer reigns over you, since sin is no longer your master, therefore, verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Because verses 3 to 10 tells you who you are in Jesus Christ, now Paul says, I want you to act like who you are. If you're going to be an effective missionary where God has called you to serve, if you are going to accomplish eternal objectives in the field where God has placed you, you have to apply these verses. And to help us with these verses, I want to just this morning point out five things that we need to understand about these exhortations. Number one, it requires action. When it comes to sin, we're not to be passive. You've probably heard it said, the little saying, let go and let God. Well, that applies to certain parts of our Christian walk. There are certain things we need to let go of and let God take over. But that doesn't apply in the area of sin. In fact, if all we're called to do is be passive, then the last half of most of the New Testament letters don't make any sense. Because we're told to suffer hardship as a good soldier, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you have been called, flee from youthful lust, and pursue righteousness. Be sober, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, Fulfill your ministry. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. 
I like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 34. He says, become sober-minded and stop sinning. There's a good message. Stop it. Jesus said in John 13, 17, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Not just if you talk about them. Not just if you meditate about them. Not just if you pray about them. You've got to do them. Yes, on one hand, I am dead to sin. And that is certainly passive. There's nothing more passive than being dead. But on the other hand, I am alive to God. I now have new life, new interests, new goals, new power. We said last week that this is a shared life. It is Christ living in me. And sometimes I have a difficult time telling where I end and where Christ begins. And vice versa. That's why Paul says it this way in Philippians 2.12. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Did you catch that? You are at work and God is at work. Now, I want you to understand this. Your sanctification is not a gift to be received. It is a life to be walked out. It is a battle to be fought. It is a race to be run. This is not something that is done for you. You have to, verse 12, do not let sin reign. Do not obey its lust. You have to, verse 13, do not present the members of your body to sin, but present yourselves to God. You see, those are commands, and it requires action. Now, why does it require action? Well, because though you are dead to sin, sin is not dead. Though I am dead to sin, I am not done with sin. Though the old man is dead, he's still kicking. See, that explains something Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4. And I want you to turn over there for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. Paul says that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self or the old man or the old you which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, the new man, the new you, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. You say, well, wait a minute. I thought Paul said the old man has been crucified. That's right. The old me has died. And because he is dead, I am able to lay him aside. You see, an unbeliever cannot lay aside the old man. He is the old man. You say, well, wait a minute. If my old man is dead, then why do I have to lay him aside? Well, because the truth is, though my old man is dead, a lot of his habits and a lot of his practices and a lot of his characteristics still cling to me. Have you noticed that? If you haven't, your family has. And so Paul says, you need to take this exhortation and lay him aside. In other words, Paul is saying, be who you are. Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 1863. 
It declared slaves forever free. But history tells us that even after the Civil War was completed, there were some slaves in the South who kept right on obeying their previous masters. See, they had a proclamation that said they were free, but they weren't living like it. Out of habit, out of practice, out of custom, they were still living like slaves. So what would you say to a person like that? You would say, put off that slavery and step into your freedom. Be who you are. And that's what Paul is telling us. We were slaves to sin, but now we have been set free. So live like it. You see, we don't have to crucify the old man. We don't have to kill the old man. God has already done that in Christ. What we have to do is put him off. We have to be done with Him. We have to start acting like who we are. Sometimes when we're afraid of something, say a needle, we're afraid of a needle, what do people say to us? Don't be a baby. Now what are they saying? They're saying, you used to be a baby, but you're not a baby anymore, so stop acting like who you used to be and start acting like who you are. That's what Paul tells us as Christians. We have died with Christ. We have new life in Him. So start acting like who you are and not like who you used to be. And the first observation is that requires action. You can't just sit around and pray about it. You've got to do it. Second observation about these exhortations They are focused. Look at verse 12 again. It says, Do not let sin reign. Where? In your body. That you should obey its lusts. That tells me something. That tells me how sin gets to the throne of my life as a Christian. It happens through my body. By getting my body to control me, rather than me controlling my body. By getting you to obey it, rather than it obeying you. You see, there are certain bodily drives that are created by God. They are good and proper. And they make great servants, but they make lousy masters. See, God has created you with an appetite for food. Some of us wouldn't eat if we didn't have that. I mean, every once in a while your stomach starts growling so loud, you're embarrassed, and you go eat. But what happens when that appetite starts to control me? Well, it leads to the sin of gluttony. God has created you with a sex drive. It's a great gift, wonderful gift for marriage and procreation. What happens when that drive starts to control me? Immorality. God has created you with a desire for rest, for sleep, so that we just can't keep going all the time. We have to stop and rest. What happens when that desire starts to control me? Well, it leads to the sin of being a sluggard. You see, the focus of these exhortations is on our bodies. It's the lusts of our bodies. And that's where we have to take the action. That's why when we get to chapter 12 and verse 1, Paul says we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. 
That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I buffet or beat my body and make it my slave. Why? Because it wants to make me its slave. You see, the focus of these exhortations is on the body. Third thing I want you to see. These exhortations are temporary. I want you to notice the word here. He says, it's your mortal body. The word mortal means dying. Not only is the old me dead, but the new me is living in a body that is dying. It's decaying, dying more and more every day. That's why every time you see me up here, I'm more and more bald. Because my body is dying. Thursday morning, Danny Johnson's dad was getting his camper ready to bring it back from Lake Wapapello. He was stripping the sheets off the bed, and he fell over dead. You and I have a mortal body. I am an immortal me in a mortal body. I have eternal life in a dying body. Or as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So understanding that, how should I respond to the desires of this body that is destined to go in the grave? Should I obey what this body is telling me to do? Should I let this body lead me? No. That would be absurd. In fact, Paul tells us something similar in, in Ephesians 4.22, in the verse we read earlier. He said, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. The old man is dead, and the picture Paul paints is that he is decaying. He is rotting. You see, you've got a decaying old body telling your dead, decaying old self what to do. Does it make sense for you to obey? No. That would be absurd. Remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in John 11? Lazarus came out of the tomb alive, but he still had a problem. He still had his old grave clothes on. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Well, in the same way, you as a Christian have come out of death into life, but you've still got your old stinking grave clothes on. You see, everything associated with your old life is dead and decaying and passing away. And Paul reminds us that's also true of your physical body. It is mortal. And I think he says that to encourage us. Because it lets us know one day we're going to get a new body. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 53. This mortal will put on immortality. You see, we're not going to have to struggle with sin forever. It's a temporary battle. We've got a mortal body. And then the fourth thing I want you to see is it's a process. Now, earlier in our study of chapter 6, we said that the death of the old you is not a process. Go back to verse 6. It says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. Past tense. That's a fact. That's a one-time event in the past. You don't have to be crucified over and over again. But when we come to verses 12 to 14, it's a process. 
He says, you are dead to sin, so do not let it reign in your body. Do not obey its lust. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin. And that's present tense. You see, to have victory in your Christian walk, you can't just do steps one and two. You can't just know what happened because you're in Christ, that you've died to sin and you're alive to God. You can't just by faith consider that to be true. That's the foundation for this ongoing process of presenting yourself to God. You say, well, aren't you kind of just splitting hairs here on the past and the present? No. The point I'm trying to make is this, and it's an important one for us to understand. The new man is not something that is gradually evolving out of the old man. Your Christian life is not a renovation process. It's not just a matter of making a few improvements to the person you used to be. The Bible tells us it is a new creation, a new work. When you became a Christian, God placed inside of you something that did not exist before. And that new nature that He places inside of you is called in the Bible the new man. Ephesians 4.24 says, Put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created. You see, Adam was created in the image of God. Sin marred that image. And now it's been restored because God has created you a new person inside. And so a Christian is not just the same old you with a few improvements. A Christian is not just a man trying to be better than he once was. A Christian is someone who is made new. And that's why the Bible says you have been born again. That's why in Ephesians 2.10 we read, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And I want you to understand that. You are a new person in Jesus Christ. But having said that, there is a process going on. I have been crucified with Christ, and that happened at the moment of salvation. But you know what? There's a present process going on where I need to present myself to God. And that's why Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, I urge you therefore, brethren, he's speaking to Christians, I urge you therefore, Christians, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I have been crucified with Christ. My old man is dead. But there's a process going on whereby I need to present myself to God as what? A living sacrifice, a contradiction. I am both dead and alive. And I make that presentation to the Lord. In fact, look at Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. Paul says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an interesting phrase. He's speaking to Christians. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you as a Christian already have the Lord Jesus Christ. So what's he saying? He's saying, put Him on. Let Him cover every area of your life. You see, the same is true of the new man. You are already that new man, but you need to put Him on. You need to let Him cover every area of your life. And that's a process. In fact, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul says that the new man is being renewed. That's an interesting word. He says you've got a new man. He's altogether new. He's made in the image of God. But he is being renewed into the image of God. So that tells me you've got a new man. He's inside of you. But he has to develop 
He has to grow. The way I explain that is comparing it to a baby. A baby is born into this world. Uh, there's a beautiful baby on the front row. You'd like to bring that analogy up here? Uh, no. Let him sleep. Baby has all the parts. You look at them, they got all the parts. They just have some growing to do. It's the same with you. God has created you a new person, but you're born again, and you have to develop. You have to grow. You have to become who God wants you to be. Eventually, you look a little baby. You know, babies get born, and they always say to me, well, who's it look like? And, and under my breath, I say, I don't know. They all look the same to me. I mean, they all look ugly. They're babies. But you give them some time, and you know what happens? They, they grow, and they develop, and eventually you start saying, you know, he's the spitting image of his dad. I didn't see it when he was a baby, but he's the spitting image of his dad. Well, the same is true of us. God has created you as a new person. It's a seed. It has to develop. It has to grow. And as you grow, people should be saying, he's the spitting image of his dad. But you see, that's a process. For a baby to grow, he has to have proper nutrition, proper hygiene, proper exercise. And the spiritual life entails that same kind of process. And then fifth and finally, I want you to notice something. And that is, it's specific. Notice verse 13 again. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. That word present means to yield, to surrender, to make available, to put at the disposal of, not only am I to present myself to God, that's general, but he says, I am to present the very members of my body to God. That's specific. Or to look at it from the negative side, not only does Paul tell us in verse 12 not to let sin reign in your body, he says in verse 13, don't even give it an opportunity. Don't even give it one single member of your body. You see, this verse tells me that you have a choice to either present the members of your body to sin or to God. You have that choice. And what is the outcome of that choice? Well, Paul says the members of my body either become instruments of righteousness or they become instruments of unrighteousness. Now, that word instruments is sometimes translated in the Bible as weapons. And the idea behind that would be that sin actually uses the members of my body as weapons in the battle against God. But more often that word is translated as tools. Romans 5.21 says that sin reigns over a kingdom. And here Paul is personifying sin as a king, as a, as a dictator. Sin has a kingdom, and that kingdom stands in contrast to the kingdom of God. And the idea is that the members of my body are used to either extend one of those kingdoms or the other. The members of my body are used to either bring to pass the purposes of sin's kingdom or God's kingdom. So the question is, which kingdom are you promoting? Which kingdom are you extending? Which kingdom are you investing in? 
See, Paul says in verse 13, do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin. Stop doing that. That was your old pattern of life. But instead, present yourselves and your members to God. Now, in closing, let's get specific about that. What are some of the members of your body that you need to present to God? What are some of the members of your body that can become tools to further the kingdom of God? Well, let me suggest a few. Number one that comes to mind is your mind, your brain. When Paul talks about presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice in Romans 12, 1 and 2, the only body part that he mentions is the mind. He says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. That is obviously the key body part in the transformation process because it's the control center. In the verses we read earlier in Ephesians 4, 22 to 24, I don't know if you noticed, but it said, put off the old man and put on the new man. And in between, there was a key element in verse 23. It says you're to do this by being renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, I'm able to put off the old and put on the new because the key bodily part is my mind. And so if we're going to be successful in our walk with God, we have to present our minds with, to Him. We have to start with our mind. We have to stop presenting our minds to sin. Now, how do you do that? Well, that's easy. You stop filling your mind with trash. Sinful thoughts, sinful jokes, reading sinful novels, sinful movies, sinful TV shows. You make the list. I mean, they have a rating system. Somebody's trying to tell you something. You know, somebody's telling you, this is trash. You know, it's, it's rated this way for a reason because this is trash, and if you put this trash in your mind... What are you doing? You're presenting your mind as a tool for the kingdom of sin. I don't watch sitcoms with one exception. I do watch uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. And it gets a little risque sometimes. Now, don't, don't shake your head at me. But you know, the other day I saw a preview of the upcoming fall programs. And I have to be honest with you, I blushed at the content of what's going to be in those sitcoms. You see, there is enough trash there to pollute the mind indefinitely. And if you give your mind to that kind of garbage, your, your mind becomes a tool for unrighteousness. So what do I need to do? I need to give my mind to God. I need to present my mind to Him. I need to say, God, take my mind and make it a tool for your kingdom. Now, how do I do that? Again, that's real easy. I just read the Word of God. I just let God's truth come into my mind. Read a challenging book. Read a biography of a missionary. Meditate on the things of God. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Start with your mind. Then your eyes. 
You know, the mind is not the only member of the body by which we receive ideas and impressions. We also receive them through the eyes. Remember Achan? He was the soldier in the battle of Jericho under Joshua who disobeyed the order not to take the spoils. And afterwards he confessed, and this is what he said, when I saw the plunder, when I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold, I coveted them and took them. What was his first problem? I saw. See, it was the lust of the eyes. Sociologists tell us that by the age of 21, the average young person has been bombarded by 300,000 commercial messages. And all of them are arguing the same basic assumption. And that is that personal gratification is the dominant goal of life. Their main assumption is that you need to live for yourself. We need to stop presenting our eyes to sin and start presenting our eyes to God. Because when you present your eyes to sin, Proverbs 27.20 tells us the eyes of man are never satisfied. They have an insatiable appetite. I need to give my eyes to God so that I begin to see my neighbors in a different way. I need to see my unsaved neighbors. I need to see the needs of people around me. I need to look out and see that we live in a large, lost world. How about your ears? What do you listen to? What kind of music lyrics do you let come into your, in through your ears? What kind of jokes do you laugh at? When you get in your car, what do you turn on? What are you presenting your ears to? To sin or to God? How about your tongue? James, the Lord's brother, must have thought about this member of the body quite a bit because he had more to say about the tongue than any other writer in the Bible. And he says, No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. And though it's a small member of the body, it's full of deadly poison. It will often strike out without warning, spewing lies and gossip and slander. And James says, We cannot tame it. You can't tame it, but what can you do? You can present it to God. So that He takes that same tongue and He produces through your tongue praise and encouragement and witnessing to the gospel of Jesus Christ. How about your hands? Those hands that control the remote on the TV when you're surfing the channel. Those hands that control the mouse that allows you to surf the internet. Are you presenting your hands to be tools of sin or tools of God? You know, 1 Timothy 2.8 says, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands. That's interesting. It doesn't just say lift up your hands. It says lift up holy hands. What are holy hands? They are hands that are set apart. They are hands that are presented to God. They are tools for the kingdom of God. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his hands what are good, in order that he may have something to share 
with Him who has need. Stop using your hands to take and start using your hands to give. Are your hands outstretched to God and others? Or are your hands grabbing for things for yourself? Finally, how about your feet? You know, you presented your feet to God this morning because that's how you got here. Your feet determine where you go. And Romans 3.15 describes our condition apart from Christ. It says, our feet were swift to shed blood. Proverbs 1.16 put it this way, their feet run to evil. That's the natural inclination of our feet. And so we have to present them to God. And what does God do with them? He uses our feet to further His kingdom. That's why Romans 10.15 says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. Paul and Laura have beautiful feet because those feet have been presented to God to take them where God wants them to go. How did the Hamiltons get to Africa? How did the Learys get to Mexico and Colorado? How did the Trulsons get to Ecuador? They presented themselves to God and they keep giving God their feet to keep them there and take them where God wants them to be. We said last week that God's life is a sacrificial life. And that's the life that's inside of you. And so it shouldn't surprise us that the daily expression of that life is as we give ourselves in every part in sacrifice to the service of God. You know, it amazes me that God even wants the members of my body. God wants these members that have been rebellious against Him, that have lived life in sin, that have rebelled throughout life. God says, I want you to take those same members that have been working for the kingdom of sin and I want you to present them to me. And God takes those same members and He uses them to further His kingdom. That's the key to the making of a missionary. That's how to be a difference maker on the mission field of your high school, your college campus, your workplace, your home, or if God should so call you across the seas. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning as we close. I'm going to ask the choral team to come. I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to just present yourself afresh to Him today. And as we sing together today, I'm going to ask you to be saying this prayer. Lord, take all of me. I give you my mind. I give you my eyes. I give you my ears. I give you my tongue. I give you my hands. I give you my feet. Use me to further your kingdom. We're going to close by singing that chorus, Ask of Me. And there's a part in here that I want you to mean when you say it because God is calling you and your response is, here am I, send me.